0: Coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. You were born in the late '90s and into the 2000s. Your ecosystem is climate change is going to kill us all. The government hates you and is trying to kill you. The healthcare system wants to kill you and murder you, and they don't have humans to walk through that with them. We've just handed them cell phones. It's nine o'clock on a Saturday. Regular crowd shuffles in. Hey, it's the Dr. John Deloney Show. What is going on? It's not even Saturday. Maybe it is, but probably it's not. I'm so glad you're here. I'm John, and we are getting into the messy lives of other people on the best mental health show ever. Ever. We're talking about relationships, mental health, school... Work, whatever's going on in your hearts and minds. And if you want to be on the show, give me a call at 1-844-693-3291. That's one 693 3291 Hold on. Someone's taking my picture out in the lobby. I'll just wave. What's up? All right, cool. Very cool. All right, let's go to Katie in Fort Wayne. What's up, Katie? How we doing? I'm good. How
1: are you, Dr. Dr. Delani?
0: You just call me John. Good, good, good. What's <laughs> up?
1: Well, I have a little bit of a more broad question, but I think it's something that a lot of listeners can relate with. So I work at an after-school program with middle school students, so they're between 11 and 13, um, and the large majority of them bring in a lot of emotional baggage and trauma. Mm -hmm. So I guess my overarching question is how do we come alongside them and meet kids where they are and help them work through their trauma in a way that they can trust us?
0: Oh, that's so hard. (laughs) That's, that's a lot. Um, Right out of the gate, I want to tell you that's a tall order that I I might shift the focus there. Um, It's very hard in your limited one hour a day or one and a half hours a day in three months, if you will, to take a child's brain that's being traumatized on the regular by the very people who are supposed to love and connect and give that bring peace and healing so that that kid can drop his shoulders and breathe and his body can stop going to war and then he can start practicing relationships that's mm-hmm. hard um right out of the gate the fir- the most important thing i could tell you is to absolutely stone love those kids
2: yeah
0: and love those kids like stop them when they walk in the building and make them come to you or you go to them and you look them in the eyes and if you're allowed to hold their hands or hold their face and say I love you I'm so glad that you're here this place is better when you're here and this is not a one-time fix this is an everyday week after week month after month, year after year and their bodies will learn that place is safe she's safe see what I'm saying Mm-hmm. And that's so hard. I, the trauma healing can't be done in an after-school after, after school program. It's going to be a piece of a larger healing picture, right?
1: I guess along with that idea of the larger healing picture, um, we are mandatory reporters. We do have frequent contact with CPS and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So how do we communicate that people like CPS or counselors that The school has connections to the kids with different things like that. How do we present that in a way that isn't harmful? Because a lot of these kids have told us that CPS only makes everything worse Mm -hmm. and whatnot. So, how do we, I guess, show that people are trying to be advocates for them?
0: You have to build trust outside of the event, outside of Mm -hmm. the moment, right? It's, um, I'm trying to think of an example like, I have lived my life in a way and done my life in a way and supported people in in front of in front of in f- on stages and behind closed doors in a way that if somebody accused me of x y or z it would be obnoxious right because people would yeah. go no <laughs> their default setting in these areas would be trust. Now, if somebody came forward and said, hey, uh, this guy made a really inappropriate diarrhea joke at a funeral, everyone would go, yeah, I could probably see that. That was really not cool, right? I would not have the benefit of the doubt on that, right? But when it comes to something, some big egregious thing, people's default setting would be no way, right? And so trying to win the battle of... Uh, Here's a great example. This one's hard. Um, I was working with a kid at a uh, center that dealt with traumatized children, and I was giving a trauma assessment to this child. And it was – in fact, the brother and sister were doing it with – we're doing it together. And it's it's like a a TFCBT intake form, and we're trying to gauge the ACEs, and we're trying to gauge, like, where they are and how much trauma they've experienced when they came here. And this was a really important moment. Uh, I was with Dr. Robinson and she is a, an important mentor for me we were she was watching me do this. And so I did the intake and their trauma score was basically zero. And their, their parents had left. I mean, it was maybe one or two, their parents had left them and their, their grandparents were now taking over and granddad got in trouble, got a DWI or something like that. And then the house got stormed. Like police officers showed up. It was a big whole thing. They took the kids out, put them in a van and took them out. And I looked at the trauma scores, not what I was expecting because usually when I did it, they were relatively high. And I looked at her and she looked at me and said, and now their trauma begins today. <laughs> their trauma begins now. And I was like, oh, they're going to be worse off because of the system. We overstepped. We being our community overstepped. And the answer was yes. Right? So we took kids that were, their lives look very different than ours, but it was a mess. And then we stormed their house, dragged them out of their house, put them in a car, and then dropped them off at a residential treatment center. And now they're going, oh, no. Right? You see what I'm saying? so mm-hmm. you have to earn trust for these kids and understand that CPS might have shown up and made everything worse. And worse than their mind is they took my mom away. They took my dad away, and they don't have the wisdom and the context to know your mom was hurting. Your mom was an addict. Your dad was struggling. Your mom was struggling. They don't know that. They just know because that person came in my house kicking and screaming or yelling, I don't get to see my mommy anymore. And there's nothing you can say to that other than I'm so, so sorry. I know you miss your mom, right? So – On the other side of that, you can show up every day, tell them that you love them. You can play pool with them. You can ask them how their homework's going. You can hold them accountable, which is a huge thing. You're not allowed to talk that way here. If you choose to talk that way here, you are choosing to leave, and I don't like that because this place can't work without you. Same as I talk to my kids, right? So that when you say I have to make this phone call because it's in your best interest, they're going to kick and scream and be mad, but they're going to trust you. You get what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: for sure. And that's so hard, I know. uh, Do you think that the aspect of accountability is bigger than, like, the idea of, like, doing something on their behalf almost? Mm -hmm. Like, holding them to that higher level or helping them, like, slowly change their behavior and their reaction is bigger than maybe, like, calling CPS. Like, in the long run, like, what will make the bigger difference in their life,
0: well, CPS I mean, is going to protect the children from adults in their lives who are not living up to their responsibilities. Yeah. Accountability is going to be this is who we are and this is how we talk to one another and we don't hit mm-hmm. and we don't swear at adults and we don't lose our temper. And if we do need to take a break, so you're, what you're trying to do is con- is give them a gap. The more traumatized a person is, the the thinner the gap is between stimulus and response, between... Yeah. You just came at me, I'm firing back because I've not fired back before and it's gotten me hurt. Or my mom's about to leave because you took my mom away. I'm coming, The hell's coming with me, right? I'm coming swinging because you took my mom away. And what we're trying to do in those moments, what love does, what connection does, and that sounds so cheesy, but it's true. It provides a little bit of a gap between the stimulus and the response. And that's what we're trying to teach these kids. Yes, somebody just stepped to you. Mm -hmm. Breathe is it worth not being able to be around me and your friends? Is it worth going to in-school suspension? Is it worth going to jail? No, the answer is always no, right? And so what we're trying to do is build that gap there. Um, So the CPS and accountability are going to be two different conversations usually.
1: Yeah.
0: How are you doing? This is a hard, hard, hard thing.
1: I'm good. I think that, Learning how to navigate the conversations with the kids has helped me navigate a lot of similar conversations in my own life, which Mm -hmm. has been really influential. Mm -hmm. By getting the love on these kids, has taught me how to help family problems or just my own personal life. And so, slowly but surely, we're getting there. I think
0: that's awesome. So, one of the things I wish I could go back and do differently is this Uh, when I worked similar jobs, I worked at camps, I've worked at day camp, summer camp kind of things I've worked at with all different groups, right? So uh, similar, um, I've never worked at the particular group, a youth center, but similar.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I really overshot the mark. And what I mean by this is I was using these kids as a way to quote unquote change the world, to affect the system. I want things to be different at a global level and then a national level, then a state level and a community level. And I wish I could go back and do that over. Mm. The way you change things at a global national level is you love really intensely at the local level. Yeah. So instead of, I want to give your heart peace right now because you're doing a hard, hard job. I'm so grateful you're in your community doing this in Fort Wayne. What I want you to, to begin to do is to walk into this building and we're not trying to solve global problems. I'm trying to love these 14 kids as deeply as I possibly can in the hour and a half that I got them. Yeah. Does that make sense? And it takes a lot sure. of bricks out of your backpack. You're not carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. You're carrying the love of these 14 kids. Yeah. And, and before they get there, I'm going to write them each a letter. I'm going to hand it to them before they go because they're going to hold something that they got from me that just says I love you and I'm so glad I got to be with you today. Right? Little things like that mm-hmm. change family trees because they're going to have for the first time in their life. They're going to have a picture of what love is. They're going to have a picture of what connection is. They're going to have a picture of fill in the blank, right? And by the way, not all these kids' parents are terrible. Some of them are just working a lot, right? They're, yeah. trying, to, they're trying to figure exactly. out life. And they got great parents who are duct taping four and five jobs together just trying to put food on the table because everything's so expensive. Um, and so they don't all have terrible whatever, but they can find connection and love in you. <sighs> Man, that's hard, hard, hard. And those kids are suffering, huh?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's fully gotten worse too. Like just the quality and the quantity of abuse and trauma and mm-hmm. the bricks that those kids are carrying in. Yeah. And I think that COVID and just the whole quarantine in the school system has just made everything so different. So working through that's been challenging.
0: Yeah, well, I'm so grateful you're there. It's, it's We'll be working through that for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, that's going to ripple through our communities for <sighs> I don't like it and I'm glad you're there I'm glad you're there Katie um, for everybody working with in in the lives of young people whether you're a teacher whether you're a social worker whether you are working at an after care program or weekend program or big brothers program seek connection first seek how do I plug into this kid first and how do I make this kid feel safe peace. We'll be right back. It seems like is talking about how crazy the housing market is right now and how powerless homebuyers feel. Mix that with the stress of moving and life change and job change, and you've got a tornado of anxiety fueling one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. This is not a good idea. So if you're a new home buyer right now, my advice to you is to focus on what you can control, like the people you choose to help you in the home buying process. You need folks like my friends at Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is a Ramsey trusted provider that's been helping people with their home mortgages for decades, and their home buyer edge program will help you skip a bunch of the stress. Here's how it works. Apply to become a Churchill certified home buyer and cap your interest rate for 90 days. Then you'll get a $5,000 seller guarantee to help your offer stand out. So go ahead, take a deep breath because Churchill has your back. Check them out at slash Deloney and get the home buyer edge today. All right, we're back. Hey, along the lines of that last call, James hand- g- gave me this uh, survey right before the show started. It's uh, by Miranda Dixon Lunenberg. I think it's published at Vox here. It says the Mental Health Million Project queried over 220,000 people on well-being across the world. And it writes, the results are worrying. One standout finding was a worrying decline in mental well-being in the 18 to 24-year-old age bracket. This is a surprise because usually they're at a U-shaped curve, right? People are feeling better for most of their life with the youngest and oldest groups fearing best. And people in middle age are like, is this what my life is? And they're concerned because on the front end of this scale, the numbers are, are terrifying. Says that while concerns about the state of youth mental health have been growing in the U.S., that 4 in 10 adolescents reported feeling persistently sad and hopeless. This is a global issue. Global issue. And we'll talk about this in in another episode. We had a planning meeting the other day. We talked about We'll talk about this. Just for a second, think about what we've done to these kids. And this isn't just, I mean, the pandemic made it way worse. Make no mistake. It made it brutal. Um, locking these kids down not being able to see each other knowing that their grandmothers were dying alone in a hospital and they said to watch it happen on zoom like all these things were were we're torturing young people and i'm not even gonna say we didn't need to do it i'm not doing all that it's we tortured young people <sighs> but before that these kids have grown into an ecosystem when if you were born in the 70s 80s even into the 90s you were born into a narrative Of we can do anything. We can change the world. We can solve all of these things. We can go to the, we just got back from the moon. What's next, right? Let's go to, these kids, if you were born in the late 90s and into the 2000s, your ecosystem is climate change is going to kill us all tomorrow. The government hates you and is trying to kill you. Your teachers are stupid and they're moronic and they're terrible and they're ruining everything. The healthcare system wants to kill you and murder you. Terrorists are trying to kill you and murder you at every turn. Countries are just going to lob grenades and roll tanks into each other's neighborhoods. and bo- That's their world. And they don't have humans to walk through that with them. We've just handed them cell phones. And so if you go and look at some of the great research on kids who are, have grown up in war zones, It's the human connection. Like, How are they even functioning? It's because they had people. And there's a physiological balancing of this teeter-totter of pain and connection that keeps a kid stable and whole. And these kids do not have this at a global level. This article goes on to say the trend was already present before the COVID-19 pandemic, but worsened significantly between 2019 and 2020. One factor is truly universal. Rising smartphone use and internet access is crushing these little people. They speculate the key factor may not be the internet itself. It's not. I love watching videos with my kids. They're funny. But it's the statistics that suggest that they seem to spend or that they spend an average of seven to ten hours a day online. At the global level, young people are spending 7 to 10 hours a day online, which crowds out in-person interaction, which is the key to building a strong social self. I think a lot of the unrest and conflict may be related to because at the age of 18, you have the same experience of interacting with people as a 7- or 8-year-old in the past. Eighteen-year-olds have the same social connective tissue as a seven- and eight-year-old from the past. We've stunted them by a decade by handing them computers. And I also want to point this out. I had a hard conversation with my son, and um, I'll just be as high-level as I can. Uh, but he came at me pretty good, and he's in middle school, and he came at me and his right to do so, and I give him permission to do so. But he said, Dad, you're telling the whole world no cell phones, and I'm not allowed to have any cell phones, and fine. I get that social media is blah, blah, blah. But Dad, because you've made this rule, and here is his quote I have no one. I don't have one to text. I don't know when the birthday parties are. I don't know when all the guys are getting together for whatever. And I thought about that, my wife and I thought about it. And we used to have the phone on the wall in the kitchen, right? We could had the curly little cord to it and we could call each other and find out what was going on. And he's it's gone. It's gone. So here's what I need. Here's what I'm asking. I'm asking for a group of parents to step up and say, let's change the way we're doing this. Let's not hand every kid a cell phone and let's figure out ways that we as adults can communicate because I'm not going to hand my kid poison. I'm not going to hand him a loaded weapon and say, make good choices, young man. I'm not going to do that. And at the same time, he's looking at me saying, dad, I get this and I'm completely and totally alone. What do I do? And that's one of the few times in my own home, I didn't have a good answer. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that wealth doesn't matter. Countries and cultures assume the U.S., U.K., Ireland, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand had the worst scores of mental health. A culture where we each for ourselves and judged and sorted by performance may be good for economic growth but damaging to our collective well, mental well-being. We've got to do things differently. And these are the kids showing up to Katie's after-school program and saying, can you help me, please? Oh, what a mess. What a mess. What a mess. All right, let's go to Sana in Seattle. I'll stop there. Let's go to S- Sana. What's up, Sana?
3: Hi, Dr. John. Thanks Hi. so much for taking my call.
0: You bet. What's up?
3: Um. So, well, first, I just want to say, like, I know you call yourself a knucklehead a lot. <laughs> and this morning, I heard you, like, kind of take that back. You're working on the positive self-talk, which is I'm trying. Great, I'm but, trying. Um, I just want you to know that like what you are doing is so important because there's so many of us who grew up in situations where we just have no concept of what healthy Mm. um, relationship, healthy communication looks like. And I've personally gone through some counseling for that, but I know that there's a lot of people that like watching their show, they're like starting to make those connections for the first time. So thank you so much for that.
0: Thank you, love. I'm grateful for your kindness. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. So what's Um, up? How can I help?
3: Yeah. So, uh, I'm calling because, um, my husband has severe misophonia. No, um, really? Yeah. Is it for
0: real or is it just, um, is it just kind of like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like people just throw that around social media. Is it for real?
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's for real. Like it's (sighs) not, you know, like, yeah, no, like you hear people on on social media saying like, oh, I hate the sound of people chewing. It's like no, like this is like actually like a like a daily struggle for him. Like he
0: um Okay, hold on. Let me just let me tell everybody what this is. So Misophonia is Yeah it is um oh gosh, it's the worst. The worst. Sounds, repetitive clicking noises, chewing, sometimes people's voices, um little little things that most of us don't hear on a daily basis. Are we here and can tune out? Uh, the, the last I read on it, there's some sort of connection between that and a fight or flight response. Something connected to movement. There's just like a it's like a shortcut in the brain that is is a it's a shortcut to the wrong place, right? And it's like trying mm-hmm. to take a shortcut to Chick-fil-A and you end up at Burger King. Like we got to a restaurant but it's the wrong one. And the smallest thing can send a body into a panic or into a rage. It's just this constant, and it's little like, or, or whatever, whatever. Like the way people say certain words can make it, 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 it's annoying to us. It is severely debilitating for folks. And re- the reason why I asked you, is it real? Is no, none of us like to have somebody chewing gum in our ear, right? And it can be like, eh, gross, whatever. Um but there are others that it's it's a totally different physiological experience. And you're telling me your husband's full on, right?
3: It's it, it's really bad. Oh, it's, I hate um, that for him, man. Yeah, he um, so like it's it's a daily struggle. He the way he describes it is like you know once once he hears the sound and it's the littlest things. Yep. Like I'm, I have like mild to moderate hearing loss, so some of the things I physically can't even perceive and okay. they are driving him nuts. Um but like once once he hears the sound, it's like it he said he gets all this pent up energy and it's like he needs to leave the room, he needs to get away from it, or like he says he'll get um all of this energy like stuck in his jaw and there have been times that he's like bit in his own arm mm-hmm. or he'll um, if he yeah. can't get away from it, he's like scratched himself. Um, so my, my, once-
0: my physiology may be off, okay? So yeah. it, for you endocrinologists who listen to this, and let's be honest, there's a bunch of them. Not really. Um, like I, I may be off here. My understanding, which is very, very limited, I'm, I'm in no way an expert on this, is that it there is a, cor- a connection between the auditory signaling system and the fight or flight response. And so, think about that energy that he feels that the way he's describing that is the is a perfect way I've, I've I understand it. And again, I may be wrong. I'm I'm not a neuroscientist, but that his body will flood with adrenaline, cortisol, fight or flight chemicals. His body is ready for a fist fight. His body mm-hmm. is ready to take off sprinting for its life, mm-hmm. and he's sitting there at the dinner table with his in laws just chewing. Right. And so yeah. there's this toggle between go now and dude, be cool, man. And that's your wife's parents. Chill, chill, chill. Right. And it just, yeah. it, it's, it, it's maddening, right? It's maddening. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
3: Oh, and um, you have,
0: you have hearing loss and you're like, I, I have no idea what's happening here. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's um, the, that is that's the worst on Oh man. Okay. Um, so how can I help? I'm so sorry.
3: Yeah, so um he basically so he his job right now he's in a car with his coworker for a lot of the day driving from job site to job site um and so by the end of the day he's already like you know at a certain stress level from from doing with that all day um and then uh, it's the worst. Uh, my, some of my own speech sounds are triggering to him. Oh.
2: And
3: so, yeah. On a, I swear like four or five days a week, he's like, I just want to be able to hear my wife talk. Yeah. Um, it's like, we can't, we can't even pray together without uh-huh. it. Like just ruining the, yeah. you know, the time together. Um, And so I, I guess I have a couple of things. One, like how do we cope with those moments? Like we know, we know a little bit of sign language and we're kind of like learning more out of necessity just because it's so frequent. Yeah. Um, but then we run into like the frustration of not being able to fully express ourselves too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so like, how do we cope with that? And like the you know, we will be having a perfectly good time. And then all of a sudden it's like a brick wall dropping, you know? And then the other thing is like, for me personally, like, you know, we want to have kids someday and I'm like really worried. Like, how are we going to handle that? If we can barely like get through like just talking to each other some days, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Those are all super real. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, all right, so again, I'm going to preface this. With, I'm not an expert in this. Has he gone to see a doctor before?
3: Um. No. So when he was in high school, uh, he had a psychiatrist who wasn't very helpful and medicated him for anxiety. And I think that yeah. they, you know, I, I don't know that they listened very well because that wasn't the problem. Right. Um, and so we're looking for a counselor.
0: Uh, I, I would and- start with a medical doctor, actually.
3: Yeah.
0: I would start with a medical doctor. Um, I don't know what pharmacolo- pharmacological interventions look like here, um, but there may mm-hmm. be. And so I, that's where I would start. And I would be super open, super honest, but I would be, I would, that's where I would start. I wouldn't start with a counselor. There's going to be some okay. relational things that y'all got to work through. And I'll, I'll talk you through mm-hmm. a couple of those now, but I would start there. So... Um, You mentioned it, and I'm glad you mentioned it in the way you did. This is going to be a both-and situation. One, he has to own, own, own. He has to own his global wellness ecosystem. Hmm. He's got to give his body a chance to, not if, but when things set off his alarm systems, he's got some resilience there. That may mean he's got to have a different job. This is just the way – think of this as – or let me put this at – he's not making this up, okay? Mm-hmm. And for you to not be able to see it and to just want to say, hey, I love you, and for that to be what sends your husband into a panic, it's disorienting. And it's – it right? It's it's really mm-hmm. awful. So I want to tell you if it's real, it's real. And it is. Nobody wants this, man. It, people feel like they're losing their minds, right? Like they, they go to mm-hmm. war with their heads. Um, yeah. Uh, he has to be a response. So I want you to think of this as though he lost a foot or he is, has some mobility challenges as he's in a wheelchair for a season. Like what would you have to do? You'd have to do things very, very differently. You couldn't just kind of limp through your normal, regular life. Everything's different now. And so I want you to think about, or him to think about, is he exercising? Is he sleeping? Is he eating right? Is he reducing his overall inflammatory response is he – he may have to wear headphones in the car. He may have to tell his coworker, hey, this is ridiculous, but I can't talk in the car. Um, or I've got to wear mm. these headphones. Like he's got to be, start being very open and advocating for himself the same as if he worked at a place that didn't have a wheelchair ramp and suddenly he found himself with mobility issues. Okay? That very same yeah. Um, And he's going to have to be brave about it. He's going to have to just suck it up and do it. And this sucks and it's hard, but that's just what we got to do. The second thing is, is you – are going to have to, uh, this is hard. You're going to have to continue to lean into different ways to communicate or y'all are going to have to come up with some signals or some gentle ways to lean into one another in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I know that's frustrating for you. That's frustrating for him. It's frustrating for everybody. And that's where y'all are. And that might mean that he's going to wear earplugs, and so you're going to have to talk a little bit louder, and, but it will take some of the sharpness off. It will take some of that, um, that burn that happens when, when you say the, like the vowels or the consonants in the wrong way, right? Is that, is that, mm-hmm. is that what it is? It's usually pieces of words. Yeah, it's,
3: it's usually the consonant. Okay,
0: all right. So um, it might be that you're going to start working with a vocal coach. And I have to work with a vocal coach because I talk so much. Literally, um, it may mean that I'm going to y'all are going to continue to lean into it. instead of this being like a beating. You're going to lean into becoming super fluent in American Sign Language or whatever the sign language y'all want to do. We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna do some of these things because our life is super different now. I would also recommend try a weekend babysitting job. After not now, but wait for a couple of months when you, he's got his wellness under control when y'all are working on different ways to communicate um and then i want y'all to have a friend let you keep their kid for a weekend or an in-law or a relative let you keep their kid for a weekend and you can begin to practice because this isn't going to be whether mm-hmm. he loves his kid of course he is and whether he loves you of course he is. Yeah. this is going to be will his body allow him to have a child in the house right and so let's just practice that let's not over overthink it let's just Practice it and see what that's going to be like. And it's going to mm-hmm. be really tough. Y'all going to have a different set of challenges. The same as if he had another more visible disability. The same as if you had a more visible disability, right? Mm-hmm. Can you do those things? Because a part of me wonders, are you out? Are you not interested in going through all of this?
3: Oh, my goodness. No,
0: I'm 100% in. Ah, that makes me happy. Good, 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 good. <laughs> so what if y'all reframed this? Have a weekend of grief. Write a letter to Misophonia. Dear Misophonia, you ruined our life. You suck. We hate you. You've screwed up everything. (laughs) And we're not going to let you ruin our marriage. In fact, we're going to use this as a springboard to be the best married couple we could possibly be. And we're going to raise a dope set of little crazy saunas in the house. We're going to have an awesome life. And you're not taking this from us. Have a couple of days of grief. And then have a couple of days of planning. Okay, what does this look like? Here's our reality. The reality is you can't do this job for 10 hours a day and then come home and be a present husband. Mm-hmm. Period, right? And how are we going to work around that? You can't do this job 10 hours a day and not have boundaries at work and come home and be a present father one day. It's just not the rea- it's not the card. So you, either you got to do something different, you got to do your job different, whatever. Um, and then y'all are going to start working on new ways to communicate together. And I think if y'all change the oh my gosh we're just dragging ourselves through this instead of instead of that attitude turning and facing it and running directly into the middle of the darkness saying haha we're turning on all the light switches suckers we're gonna be able to talk in <laughs> multiple right if you enter with that sort of attitude we're gonna we're gonna storm the gates of hell together man this mm-hmm. could be really fun because y'all gonna develop your own way of communicating that nobody else has it's gonna be a beautiful interactive way um, so I, that's that's the best I can do please y'all go see a doctor together who might give you some like, oh yeah, we, you can take this one thing or there's a couple of supplements that help with the auditory response system. that help. Who knows? I don't know where any of that stands. Definitely worth going to see a medical doctor. And then as y'all are working through new ways of communicating, it's gonna bring up old stories. Then you may wanna loop back and meet with a counselor, okay? But I'm proud of you. Thank you for loving that guy. Thank you for being 100% all in She's got to live a different life now. (laughs) It sounds so, so dismissive. I just change everything. It's cool. And yeah, that's what you got to do. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest? Right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone. Or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapist at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp help. H E L P.com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Let's take one more. Let's go to Chad in St. George, man, Hey, Chad. Yeah. How we doing? We're doing good. I'm glad to be on. Thanks, man. Hey, I drove through St. George last year on the way to a speaking engagement. Mm -hmm. What a stunning, beautiful place. Um, I just continue. The more I travel across the country speaking to groups, I, I... I'm just blown away by how beautiful this country is, and that St. George area is something else, man. It was stunning, 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 and I almost died. Yeah, we're that's a, lucky. That's another conversation. All right, so what's up, brother? How can I help?
2: Uh, okay, so i got to give some backstory before I get to my question or my advice. So um, our father died uh, the end of July. Oh, man, I'm and, sorry. Uh,
0: what, did he, what did he die of?
2: Uh, well, it would be what you call your uh, long tail suicide. Oh, no, man. Uh, I'm basically, sorry. drank and smoked himself into He's not recovering. Uh, uh they started failing. I'm sorry, brother.
0: So, That's hard, yeah. man. Hard, hard, hard.
2: It, it's really hard. Um, so, ever, right after that, um, my sister, my younger sister, she's two years younger than me, she's. I don't know if her, if it's a drama response to these things or she, her and her husband decided that they are now going to be swingers.
0: hey oh.
2: Um, yeah. Just a
0: swinging.
2: <laughs> I know. So yeah, at first, nobody really cut it. Everyone was just kind of like, ah, oh, this is just midlife crisis-y kind of stuff. Or <laughs>
0: um, Let me pause you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If my wife came to me and said, hey, John, I got an idea. What about you and me just start knocking around with the neighbors? You in? And I was like, I'm in, honey. The last people on planet Earth I would call is my brother and sister. So (laughs) how do you know that this this is happening? And I'm not laughing at, I'm laughing with you. Like, how would you even know, man? Did they announce this at, like, a Thanksgiving?
2: They... (laughs) this is kind of how she is she wants she wanted the attention of it oh. um and you know other people like we'll see friends of our that I've known for years middle school are all of a sudden they're friends and I would have had no idea because they don't advertise it but she does she wants everyone to
0: know <laughs> and it's just weird yeah. I'm being super weird, man. I I love my sister with all my heart. Man, there's just parts of her life I don't want to know about. That's cool. Right. But you know right. about your sister. All right, so how can I help, man? Yes. So um, in doing all
2: this, her she has a 12-year-old son, my nephew. Okay. Freaking raddest kid ever. Um, he has kind of just been, I mean, he is either locked in his room. When it happens, or or he goes to other family members or friends' houses, but now everyone else has stopped taking him because they feel like they're enabling her to do this. Or when he's at their house, he's saying he wants to be at my house with my boys and wife. So like, so now I'm stuck in the middle of. Do I? I feel like. By taking him,
0: it enables her to do that. It doesn't. She's gonna, dude, she's, chat, she, chat, chat, she's going to do it anyway. I know. You're not enabling her. That's where, Here, here's that's the deal. Where take her out of the equation. Take her completely okay. out of the equation. Okay. You're taking care of a little 12-year-old boy. That's it. Uh, okay. And you're the that's kind of you're the kind of guy that would take care of a 12-year-old boy because that's who you are. You're a good human being. you got your kids of your own. You're a guy who loves his community and loves young people. Take care of that twelve year old little boy. You're not your your sister's gonna figure out a way around this until it burns itself out, and make no mistake it will. It will lose its smoke and steam and the disco ball eventually stops spinning, right? And right. so it is what it is. Or that twelve year old boy is really, really close to independence on his own. Right. Right? And he y'all are gonna all lose him. And so yeah. somebody's gotta love that kid and care about him. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's God, can you the imagine the, the book being written? In my, head. my mom locked me in my room while she hooked up with my dad's middle school—I mean, my uncle's middle school friends—and my. That's going to be a great, a great autobiography someday. Jeez, freaking. Yeah. Weird. Well,
2: the the weirdest part about this whole thing is. Yeah, tell me the weirdest part
0: because <laughs> so far.
2: Okay, <laughs> well. The whole thing's weird, but yeah, there. So they have an older son that's. 22, 23, he's my, we have older sons and they all kind of grew up and we took him all the time too. How old are you? Um, I'm 43.
0: How old is your sister?
2: She's uh, 42.
0: Or 41, sorry. (laughs) I've had in my head this whole conversation, you were like 25.
1: This
0: (laughs) makes this whole thing way more disturbing. Go ahead, go ahead, man. right. Just like 40 year olds just cruising, like, what's up? All right. So, yeah. All right. So, they have an older, older son. Okay.
2: Yeah. They have an older son. He's in his early 20s. um, And apparently, he is the one that suggested to them that they do this. Why not? They let him into that part of their life. Like, why not? I don't think he's doing it with them, but to have that conversation.
0: Dude, dude, she already told her brother, so why not bring your kids in? She probably sat down all the pets, just sat them all in a row, and told them too. Yeah, I, dude, yeah. who knows? Who knows, man? I, um, yeah, a twenty-two-year-old's a grown-up, and he's old enough to have his own boundaries and to make his own choices and decisions. It is what it is. Um, right. Yeah. When my son's twenty-two, we're gonna. Well, I mean, I'll share everything with my son, but we're not talking about that because I love him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't. I don't want to melt him, but I, <laughs> here's the thing, man. You have to decide in your in your heart and mind. This is me being serious now. Um, the people you choose to associate with, and this is hard right. because she's your sister. And there's some point when she becomes not your sister, but and, and I think I mean this. We talk about swinging and all that kind of stuff, and we can make jokes about it. This is bigger than that. You've lost your sister. Not just because she's oh, yeah. sleeping with other dudes and her husband's sleeping with other women. That's not it. Um, she is searching so hard to be seen and to be known and to not feel um, dead in her own skin that ways she can fire off firecrackers underneath her own skin to prop herself up is to go get her heart rate racing for 30 minutes with a stranger. To try to get a rise out of you and the other family members. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And that's a little girl in that little body saying, "Somebody, tell me, tell me you love me. Somebody see me, right?" So the whole thing is yeah. heartbreaking, and it's easy to point to the one thing that's like swinging just because it sounds funny, right? Um, but you can point to that. But this is a this is the story of a brother who's losing his little sister. Yeah. Right. And that sucks, and it's heartbreaking and it puts you in a position to say here's my boundary. While you're trying to figure out love, this is what this is what connecting with me looks like and if you want to opt out, I'm going to be heartbroken but you're free to do that. Cuz this is how I'm going to raise my kids, this is how I'm going to raise my family. This is how I'm going to fill in the blank, right? Right. Um and by the way, if she circles back and joins the fold and and I say that like with in it with a smirk on my face like like if she circles back and says, hey, dude, I kind of lost it. And her and her husband choose to still do this. Once a month, They, choose. I still wouldn't have a problem with her eating dinner at my house. That's my sister. My kids are all going to know, yep, that's that's aunt so-and-so. Uh, my kids call my sister Tia, uh, Tia Loca. They don't know her name. My sister yeah, okay. gave them that name. That's Spanish for crazy aunt. They gave, right. you know, like my kids think that my sister's name is Tia Loka. So, I mean, we they just know like, yeah, that's aunt so-and-so, right? They get that. Um, this is about, I've got to draw boundaries. And my guess is she's talking in ways that you don't want around your kids. You're worried about the fact that she's locking her, their 12 year old son, 12 is old. My son's 12, right? Locking this kid that knows what's going on in this house in his room. I mean, that whole thing is a mess, man. And so this is about a brother who's losing his little sister. This is about a... Guy trying to take care of a twelve year old kid. Let's take all the take all the big flashy stuff and the signs and the oh my gosh and the take all that off the table, man. Grieve the loss of your sister. Come up with your boundaries there, and then love and take care of this little twelve year old kid. And if it crosses over into hey she locked him in there for a day, call CPS. Yeah, yeah. call yeah. the authorities because she can't you can't lock it you can't lock a child in a room and not give him food, not give him water, all that kind of stuff, right?
2: Yeah. Well, he, I don't. I don't know how many times that's happened, but I do know that, like, she's hey, here's
0: a Xbox. Have fun in there. Don't come out. You know, right, right, right. So, and, and again, that's different than I put a, a padlock on the door
1: while right. we're
0: in here, <laughs> and I'm going to put a padlock on the door. You can't come out. Like, there's difference there, right? But um, right. ultimately, you have to grieve the loss of your sister, and. You have to make some choices. Am I going to accept this new behavior? Am I going to accept this new relationship that she's put back, that she's choosing to, or am I going to draw the boundaries for me and my family? And how and when am I going to love this 12-year-old little boy? And that's, I wouldn't let any of the other nonsense cloud it, okay? It's just going to make it more complicated. You can also tell her um, when she's like, oh, yeah, and then last weekend you can stop her and say, I do not want to hear about your sexual exploits. You're my sister. Stop. Yeah, and I don't give
2: it any any attention. She'll say it, and I just pull. she wants the attention. I'm not giving it to her. I just
0: well, don't. There, but she can see your eye crinkles. She can feel the energy in the room change, and that's power. Right. It feels powerful. There's something about stopping that conversation as it's happening with a firm boundary. Right, stop. Yes. stop talking about your sex life with me. I do not want to know period yeah. and let that tension hang let that because that is you reclaiming the room energy that's you reclaim, reclaiming your boundaries and it changes the dynamic of the, oh my gosh you think you're so much better than me didn't say that I said stop talking about your sex life with me period right and with that level of authority and force and it has a way of, of really pushing back on people who just like to lob fireworks and grenades at people and be like oh yeah look what I'm doing look what I'm doing could care less Do not tell me that. If you continue to tell me that, you are choosing to not be in a relationship with me, and I hope you don't choose that because I like hanging out with you. And now she owns all the cards moving forward because you have put your boundary in concrete, right? And that's an awesome, awesome thing. It's a gift to her, brother, and it's a gift to you and your family. Thank you for being a guy that takes care of the little kids in your community and in your family. It's beautiful. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me And everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we are back. As we wrap up today's show, the song of the day is a choose-your-own-adventure. Pretty excited about this. Behind door number one, this is the Boomer's song. So if you want to hear the Boomer version, just stay put. And if you want to uh, go to the the millennial version, just hit the, you know, fast forward about 15, 20 seconds and listen for the... And that's how you know to turn the page. And uh, here we go. So for the Boomers, the song of the day is (laughs) from the Dire Straits. Sultans of Swing And it goes like this You gotta shiver in the dark It's raining in the park But meantime South of the river You stop and you hold everything A band is blowing Dixie double four time You feel all right When you hear the music ring Now step inside But you don't see too many faces (laughs) Coming in and out of the rain To hear the jazz go down Competition in other places Give your kid an Xbox And shut the It's not really in the song Alright the next song is From Sia the lyrics to her masterpiece. I don't think it's a masterpiece. Chandelier, and it goes like this. <laughs> oh, boy, y'all going to get me in trouble. Party girls, don't get hurt. Can't feel anything when I, when will I learn? I push it down, push it down. I'm the one for a good time call. Phone's blowing up, ringing my doorbell. I feel the love, feel the love. One, two, three, one, two, three, drink. This doesn't sound like a great, healthy song. So I'm back till I lose count. I'm going to swing from the chandelier. That's what we do on this show. We swing from the chandeliers. We'll see you next time. Coming up on the next episode.
1: So in the process of trying to frame up my question neatly, which is kind of difficult.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, disordered eating and addiction are never never uh, yeah. summed up neatly. So give me the whole messy mess. So my mom, she's been married three times. She just goes from boyfriend to boyfriend. She likes to spend time with my two-year-old, which is which is great, but... The boyfriend is always around in some way. Either he lives there or nope. she has to do something. Nope. I'll solve that one for you. Answer's no.